Well, although the sun shines outside this morning, and we're at the start of a time of holiday for uh, some younger ones, uh, February half term, the weather in the past week has been a bit chill, hasn't it? You know, we've even had a little bit of snow here in, in Linfield. And uh, perhaps the text uh, that was in there, you, you put on clothes, but you are not warm, might have rung a little bit true for some of us this week. However, I don't want you to dwell too long on winter. I want you instead to think of a different time of year, to cast your mind forward to August, a bit of warmth, the bank holiday weekend. You know, it's the end of the summer, there's sunny skies, a little bit of festival spirit in the air. How nice to have some time, some space, some me time just to to do what you want, you might think. Well, in this year, 2018, August Bank Holiday falls on the 27th of August. The date Haggai is talking about the first day of the sixth month is the 29th of August. It's the end of the summer, and it is a festival time. I don't imagine anybody would be going off to Glastonbury, but it is a time that people would be gathering in Jerusalem for the New Moon Festival. And the start of the sixth ecclesiastical month marks uh, two things. One is a bit of a, a remembrance of Moses Uh, going up Mount Sinai um, for his third time and his receipt of of the law of the commandments from Yahweh. And it is also for the Jewish people the start of a 40 day Lent like period of reflection. Uh, A time that will include uh, Rosh Hashanah Um, and the ten high holy days before we get to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Uh, So the diary entry at the top of the page there, at the start of Haggai, reminds us where thought should be. They should be focused on being God's people, of thinking of the law, of celebrating the fact that God calls us to be together celebrating and then also reflecting. It makes it clear to the Jerusalem residents that they should be focused not on their personal gain, not on their lifestyle, but everything that the Lord requires of them. At the time it's written, the time that the message comes. It's been about 18 years since uh, Cyrus the Great allowed the exiles to go home, allowed the people to go back to Jerusalem and to build an altar and to get ready to build the temple, to bring their worship 
in their home place, to no longer be captives, but to be free. And when they journeyed, Ezra had plans for rebuilding the temple, and many of the people started to work. But things don't progress much. The people had decided to put their focus into other things, building their own properties, lining their own pockets, beasts for their own eating rather than sacrificial offerings to God. The return from captivity had been a joy and a delight, but too soon the time has moved on, no longer worshipping God in the way that they should. We've just sang about, let me be singing when the evening comes. The evening has come and they're not singing, not because of anything that God's done or any misfortune. They've stopped praising the Lord just because they, well, they want to do their own thing instead. That's their attitude. Each generation experiences new ideas and new thoughts about the way to live. They get new technology to help them in that life. My own children rarely watch live TV. Everything is, is streamed down the fibre cable. They can pause it at will. They can rewind. They can also fast forward beyond where they were watching because that is there. They can watch whatever part. They can change the programme to something that was on yesterday or something that's not normally being broadcast until tomorrow. Of course, back in my own childhood, telly also came down a cable because there wasn't a strong enough signal at the aerial. We had it piped. There was three channels, all black and white, four or five lines. I doubt many of us want to go back to a grainy picture. Whenever we have thoughts of the past, they tend to be joyful thoughts things that we can delight in, but not of a box 40 years ago in the corner of a room. And there's other things from the past that we might not want to return to, being slowly poisoned by leaded petrol or lead in our paint, racist attitudes polluting minds. And, of course, things like a three-day week. However, not everything has been good as we've moved forward in time. We become lazy, and that's the nature of humanity. We have to now be reminded to take our bags shopping with us. Because we don't want to overuse the plastic. As a child, that was the normal thing to do. You took a bag. When I was young, in the corner shop paid a deposit back on lemonade bottles that were of glass. Now we're thinking about how deposits might be paid again following the example of Norway. What else do we need to remember of the past 
and apply to our life today. Many of us have never known the church without that bet on the side, the concourse. Back when it was built, people gave sacrificially. Their offerings blessed the work of the church. Perhaps some people's holidays at that time were a bit more frugal than they otherwise would have been. And other domestic savings were made. But it was all felt worthwhile so that work could take place that might enable the church building and the people who gather here to glorify God's holy name and to serve his purpose in new ways. I wasn't here then. Back then I was in Tadley on the Hampshire-Berkshire border. I had become a church member the year before. And I didn't become a church member because I adored the United Reformed Church and all its structures and councils and all those sort of things. I didn't then. And I don't now. I don't enjoy those bits. But I joined the church. I became a member because commitment to God requires commitment to be part of a fellowship. It requires saying, yes, I belong. I believe in you, Lord. It requires us to be part of the body of Christ where we share our talents and the gifts that God has blessed us with so that the kingdom will grow. And while it is possible to worship God on one's own, that does not help build the body of Christ. And it is a poor way to live out the Great Commission. For being a disciple requires us to be in fellowship and to be strengthening our relationships. Attending a church regularly might show some loyalty and contribute to the fellowship there. But without declaring oneself accountable to the church, it misses out on some of the matter of trust and of belonging. It also rejects the sense of responsibility in the sharing and the making of decisions as God's people. Above all, though, resisting membership avoids publicly declaring the need to put God at the center of your life. Standing there as an individual saying, yes, this is for me. And that's the central message of the text today. You can structure your life such that God is your focus, or you can shape your life that God is not your focus, but there's not really any gray ground in between. He is the Lord, and he deserves our attention. The people Haggai speaks to in the 6th century before Christ are thinking of themselves. They might think they're God's people. They might have a heritage that says they're God's people. But they do not live as God's people. They build their panelled houses they store their riches, or at least attempt to. They seek wealth, they plant much because they long for their own power to be seen. 
their own pockets to be full. There is never enough to have satisfaction. However much money we have, we will maybe crave more. Whatever the riches, we long for more riches, if that is our priority. So where are our priorities? What commitment of our time is spent coming before the Lord? Do we tithe our income? Do we offer ourselves for service? Do we respond when God calls us to live our life for him? At the January church meeting, the budget for the year ahead was announced. And it was quite a positive meeting. We talked and we prayed and we thought about our direction. But in that meeting, as we announced the deficit, we said that the deficit on the budget is £20,000. And that's not sustainable in the long term. It would mean, without changing who we are, what we do, how we commit ourselves, that within about three years, the bank would be empty. We can't live like that at home. It's a challenge for us as a church. It need not be so. It's not about whether the church spends money or not. We need to maintain the building. We need to do the things. We need to encourage our youth worker and help him in his endeavours. And we need to pay him the right amount. We need to replace bits in the kitchen and do work on the windows. These are all included in the budget. The sermon is not about money. It's about our attitude that says someone else can be responsible and then grumbles when it doesn't suit. It's about playing a part in God's kingdom, the kingdom that is there, and living our life in the way that we are called to live our life. We are the people Haggai speaks to. He challenges us about our decisions in our daily life. Are they in line with God's plan for his kingdom? Or are they focused on our comfort? Do we give time? And do we give time in prayer? Praying for the church to see it flourish. Do we pray for the right opportunity that we can share our faith with others? That we might meet the right person and have the right word to say at that time. Do we seek his will for what we are doing? You know, do we go the right path? First, we have to discern what that path is. There are those among you who probably give as much as you are able. 
Remember the example of the widow's mite. Many would have looked at that small coin and went, that's not much at all. But she gave her her heart. It was symbolic of her everything. This Lent, which starts on Wednesday, which is Valentine's Day, think of your love of God and think of his love for you. And as the Lord commands his people, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought. What is the Lord calling of you? How does he want you to use your time? How are you to use your money? Consider your commitment of faith and of faithful giving. Is it much like those, the people in our passage, those of Jerusalem and beyond in 520 BC? Those people that we hear of in verse 2 claiming, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. We don't need to worry about that. We can get on with our own life. Are we convincing ourselves that we don't have to do something? Or are they and are we trying to delude ourselves? There is a path ahead. We can do great things as a church. We can see his kingdom grow. May this Lent you find time to seek his path. And also, may you find his blessing. Amen.